This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. I'm Kira Corbett, and today I'm here with a Dirty Free Hub volunteer, Kasha, to chat with Sarah Swallow. Sarah is a representative in the sport of cycling through her community connections in route development, advocacy, and storytelling. One of her projects, the Sky Islands Odyssey, journeys through the diverse characteristics of the Sky Islands in the Sonoran Desert of southern Arizona, providing opportunities for everyone to explore with various route options. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm not really familiar with the Sky Islands. I just heard because I've done some research with your website and all that good stuff. But I know that there are two loops, the East and the West loop. Have you biked both? And then what would you say is the difference? Yeah, so back in 2017 and 2018, I developed the Sky Island Odyssey bikepacking routes. And so there's an East loop, a West loop, and a full loop. And I've ridden all the loops multiple times. It took, you know, seven different trips. And, you know, I'm still revising the routes to this day, just because there are so many roads that are not necessarily, that don't show up on maps in that region. So I'm constantly riding and test riding these routes. But yeah, so the difference is the East East Loop stays kind of, if you're familiar with Patagonia, a lot of people are starting to become really familiar with that place, but it's um, an hour hour and 10 minutes south of Tucson. And the East Loop stays, starts and ends in Patagonia and stays to the east of Patagonia. So you get really mellow riding through the San Rafael Valley. Then you go through the Appleton Whittle Research Ranch, which is a a preserve for semi-arid grasslands. You go through La Cienegas Preserve, another preserve that does protects grasslands managed by the BLM. And then you go through the Canelo Hills, which are the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains, kind of near Kentucky camp. And then you actually circumnavigate the Santa Ritas by coming back on a really rugged forest road that takes you back into the back into Patagonia. And I would say the East Loop is what I recommend for beginners. It's by no means a walk in the park. There's still some really, really rugged riding on the East Loop, but it is more, there are more resupply points and more opportunities to refill your water, which makes it easier for, for most folks. The West Loop is days to the west of Patagonia, still starts and ends in Patagonia. It sh- still shares that same rugged forest road that drops you back into Patagonia, but it, it takes you out to Amato via Ruby Road and the Patagonia Mountains, Buenos Aires Wildlife Preserve. So gets very, very remote through some of those sections. Not a ton of resupplies, very minimal resupplies, minimal water. It's just kind of different. It's different landscape. You're not, you just get different views. You're getting views of Babacoveri Peak, which is a really significant peak peak to the native peoples in the region and more grasslands, but different grasslands. And you're on the other side of the Santa Rita Mountains the whole time. So both are really fun. I like to tell people to start with the East Loop, go with the West Loop. And then when you're feeling like you want to do all of them, then go for the full loop. It's nice to do all, all the full loop and see the whole thing. What does the mileage look like on that? 
Yeah, so the uh, East Loop is 135 miles, and then the West Loop, I believe, is 175 miles, so not much different. And then I think the full loop is around, like, 250 miles. That's, that's a lot of miles. Yeah. But that sounds super fun. I would... I love Patagonia. Yeah. I've been going down there for some gravel camps with the Phoenix women group. And it's just so beautiful down there. But definitely that's on my bucket list to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing to note is just like, I know a lot of people do the East Loop and there's a, there's ways of doing the East Loop where you can stay in a hotel every night or uh, some someplace. So you don't actually have to camp for that. That's a little bit more accessible to some people. That sounds so neat. The terrain sounds pretty incredible from what I've been reading about the Sky Islands. So what kinds of like ecosystems would you expect like riding in, you know, both the East and the West Loops? Yeah, yeah. So that that's one of the reasons why I've been drawn to this place is because I get bored really easily with the same kind of landscape for many, many miles. And that's what's different about this place is like you can go 20, 30 miles and be in a totally different environment. So in terms of ecosystems, you've got a lot of semi-arid grasslands and those are endangered ecosystems. And the this region of southern Arizona has some of the few remaining semi-arid grasslands, protected semi-arid grasslands. So it's a very special and important ecosystem. Then you've got like woodland oak and and cedars. And as you go up every thousand feet, the, the landscape changes. So there you'll see different plant and trees at higher altitudes. So up at like you know, 5,000 feet, you can have ponderosa pines. And and then on the other side of the, the route, or like the west side of the Santa Rita's, you've got barrel cactus, lowland desert environment. So lots of cactus all the time. So very, very fun, fun to ride and entertaining. I've been on like some smaller bike packing trips, maybe like a week here and there. And it's like, you're still seeing the same environments for days and days, right. maybe slight changes with the elevation, but nothing quite like this. For sure. And you know, you've, everybody's had that experience where you're riding and you're riding through the same landscape and then you turn the corner and it's a whole new landscape. That's what happens pretty regularly on the sky islands. I mean, that's that feeling that you're like, whoa, you know, just, totally surprised like all of a sudden yeah you're 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 seeing totally new new environment and yeah it's just really entertaining that way I noticed that when I was in Patagonia too like every time we went up higher everything changed and it was really cool to see because like I'm in the desert and you don't get that in the valley at all so it's really nice to switch it up when you're riding Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's another good point is that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Tucson or Phoenix and in the Valley and expect that kind of environment or what they see off of I-10 or or something like that. But what's important to know is that most of the the riding that we're talking about with the Sky Islands Odyssey bikepacking routes, it'll go between, I mean, average is probably around 4,000 feet, but it goes up to like 5,800 feet and all the way down to 2,500 feet. So yeah, it shouldn't be, you know, 4,500, 800, that's really high for Arizona in the wintertime and, and should still be considered winter at those altitudes. So a lot of people are surprised by the altitude that exists on the Sky Islands Odyssey and the totally different 
ecosystems and environments that come with that. Do you have any tips for cyclists who want to explore the Sky Islands or the surrounding areas? Yeah, I would say don't underestimate the desert. You know, a lot of people view Arizona in the wintertime as an escape from like their cold, wet winters of the Pacific Northwest or the Midwest or the, the East. And I, again, I've said it multiple times that, you know, it's still winter in Arizona desert. The high desert is a very harsh environment. So it can be, it can go from 30 degrees to 80 degrees within a course of day or 80 degrees, 30 degrees in the course of the day. So one day you'll be riding and it'll be sunny and beautiful. The next day it could be snowing and that's, and very, very cold. So it can be extreme in that way. The winds can be extremely strong and, you know, up to 60 mile an hour, you know, and so that that's a, another thing. Minimal water, so it's important to carry all the water you need and not expect to find groundwater. So planning your resupply point, your camping, bringing a warm sleeping bag, like a zero to 10 degree would be the safest bet there. Even a 20 degree bag might not cut it. You know, there's nights in the wintertime that it can get down to 14, 11 degrees. So it still can get very cold. The terrain, especially the routes that I, I tend to put together can be very rugged. So there's a lot of, you know, smooth gravel roads, washboard, but then there's also kind of these four by four kind of Jeep roads, Jeep trails that I like to take because they're so prevalent and also fun, but they can be very rocky and slow going and, you know, sometimes can be a hike a bike for, for some folks. So yeah, that's, I would say that's most of it, but it's, it's gorgeous. And just to be aware of where you're riding, it's a really significant place in terms of, you know, human migration, animal migration, and very important to biodiversity. So it's one of the most biodiverse places in the world. So it needs a lot of advocates. And if you, if people find an attachment to this place through its beauty, then, you know, the next step would be to see if you can get involved in any of the issues that are affecting the place. That's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you for having me.